Coming up on Locked on Rams, I'm going to tell you the one thing that Matthew Stafford will never tell you himself. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Rams your first listen every day, your team every single day. My name is Travis Rogers. I host the Rams pregame show, postgame show, and have since they returned to Los Angeles way back in 2016. Six seasons, two World Series, two Super Bowls. Six seasons, two Super Bowl appearances, and of course, a Super Bowl championship just a couple of nights ago. I'm still kind of digging out from SoFi uh, on Sunday night. Just a great, great night. Make sure that you check out our YouTube channel as well, Locked on Rams, and make sure you click that subscribe button. That works. That's good news for everybody. That's good news for you. That's good news for me. Okay, so let's get right into it right now. Let's get into what Matthew Stafford is never going to say for himself that absolutely is true. Look, what do we know? for sure, about Matthew Stafford. We know that he's a pretty good dude, right? We know that he is a humble player. We know that he is not somebody that brings a lot of attention to himself, that he's a team player. That's great news. These are all the things you want from your quarterback. We also had some questions about what sort of football player is he? Coming into this season, there are a lot of questions about Matthew Stafford. There are a lot of things that we did not know for sure that we could guess at, that we could take our, our our best shot at, but we didn't have a clear and definitive answer. And the number one question about those things was, is he a championship caliber quarterback? Is he good enough to be the quarterback on a team that goes and wins the Super Bowl? Is he good enough to be a guy that when your team is behind in the fourth quarter and go get you what needs to be gotten to win that title? And we don't know because doing it occasionally in Detroit doesn't really matter. Doing it occasionally on a team that's going to win four games, seven games, maybe if you have a great season, you win eight or nine. Does that count the same as, hey, it's the fourth quarter of a playoff game. Can you drive down the field with one timeout, a minute and a half to go, and punch it in the end zone? We didn't know. We didn't know. He did. He knew. Because at the end of 12 years in Detroit, he decided, you know what? I've had enough. I can't, and he, and he didn't do it in a way that was explosive. He didn't do it in a way that was incendiary. He didn't burn the organization to the ground. He didn't say anything about his teammates. He didn't say anything about the city. It was none of those things. It was about as tactful and clean exit as you're going to find anywhere. And what he did is he went to the organization and said, listen, I want to go play somewhere where I have a chance to win. I want to go play somewhere where I can answer the question, am I good enough to be a championship quarterback? And they accommodate him. And the Rams were the perfect fit. And like we've talked about a lot, there was the fortuitous meeting between Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay in Cabo last summer, or last winter, I guess it was. And they decided, you know what? I like you. You like me. Why don't we go play a little football together and see what happens? So he comes to Los Angeles, and what they send Jared Goff to Detroit. A couple of first-round draft picks going the other way. The Rams continue to go all in the way that they have. And the question is, okay, let's see. What will he look like when you give him a basic level of competency around him? Because think about what it was in Detroit. It was a never-ending cycle of head coaches, most of them not very good. 
It was a never-ending cycle of general managers. It was a cycle of draft picks that were not going to be the pieces that he needed to go win a championship. Basically, they were just lionsing all over him. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it's a word <clears throat> that I want to coin at this point. They lionsed him. They went all around and did all the things that the Lions do that have been the backbone of more or less 50 years of them shooting themselves in the foot. Now, they picked Matthew Stafford, number one out of Georgia a few years ago, and it was the right pick at the right time and all that. But it wasn't enough. It's football, right? You need a whole bunch of pieces around you. So he comes to L.A., and he goes one for one. One for one. The second he's out of Detroit, the very first season he is de-lionsed, he goes and wins the Super Bowl. One for one. And here's what he's never going to tell you. Here's what he will never, ever say out loud to anybody that's probably not his wife and his very closest friends, and maybe not even to them because he's not this sort of guy. But I'm going to say it. Told you it wasn't me. I told you it wasn't me. I was not the problem in Detroit. All I needed was somebody that functioned like a real football team. I needed a coach that knew what my skill set was. I needed to have a couple of players around me that were on my level. I needed to have a basic foundation of competency, and I can go do what Aaron Rodgers can do, what all of these other guys that have been through Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and all of these players that have been really, really good quarterbacks for years and years in this league. I just get, give me some people. Lamar Jackson might be the perfect example. Lamar Jackson goes to Baltimore. Baltimore is a competent organization. Baltimore runs well. They draft good players. They don't turn the head coach over over and over and over again. John Harbaugh has been there a million years. And they take a guy late in the back of the first round, last pick in the first round, and turn him into an MVP. Turn him into a guy that I think everybody understands. Lamar Jackson's a really dangerous guy. Lamar Jackson is not the problem in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is the guy that is good enough to go do it. If Lamar Jackson goes to Detroit... <laughs> Are you kidding me? If Matthew Stafford lands in Baltimore, are you kidding me? But because those two guys went to different spots, their careers are totally, one guy goes and wins an MVP like that. The other guy spends a dozen years in a place looking around saying, it ain't me. Not saying it out loud, but the second he gets to LA, they win a championship. The second he gets to LA, he takes them on three game winning drives in the postseason in Tampa. Tie game, 42 seconds to go, drive the field, kick a field goal, win the game. In the NFC Championship game against San Francisco, down 10 points in the fourth quarter, win the game. Three scoring drives in the fourth quarter, win the game. Go to the Super Bowl in your first year. Down late by four points in the fourth quarter, inside of two minutes, drive the field, score a touchdown, win the Super Bowl. By the way, I'm in there in the middle of that. I'm going to throw a no-look pass over the middle to the offensive player of the year who's running the perfect route. I'm going to look off the linebacker perfectly to get him to take one step to his left, and then I'm going to whistle it past his right ear. We're going to get a first down. We're going to keep that drive moving. There aren't five guys in the world that make that pass. There aren't. A, there's not a coach. There's not a team. There's not anybody that puts him in a position like that the way that the Rams just did it. I told you it wasn't me. He will never say it out loud, but think about what's going through his head. The second, the very second he's away from Detroit, the Lions, that team, that culture of losing, of failure, of if we just 
get to 500, it's a successful season. If we get into the playoffs, oh my goodness, it's like winning a Super Bowl. The goal isn't to win the Super Bowl in Detroit. The goal is not to put your players in a position to become legends. You know, if you're if you're one in a billion like Barry Sanders or Megatron, sure, you can go do it. But you can't do it yourself. You can't do you, you can't go win as a team by yourself. One for one in Los Angeles. One for one. Think, think about it. Think if Aaron Rodgers is in Detroit and Matthew Stafford is in Green Bay. How different do those two guys' careers look? He, he, his entire legacy changed a couple of days ago in SoFi Stadium because now it's not, yeah, you know, he, he puts up a lot of big numbers and occasionally he'll have a game and he'll shock you and they'll beat somebody good, but yeah, I don't know. Really, in seven, seven and ten every year, or six and ten before they went to say, I don't know. Now, how about 12 and five? And I win three playoff games behind or tied in the fourth quarter, and it's because of me. How about that? How about one for one? How does that sound? Think about the difference in his career. Think about the difference in his legacy. And look, who, who knows what's happening next, right? The Rams have a lot of things that they got to get figured out moving forward. He's probably got some things that he wants to figure out in his career moving forward. But think about what, what if he goes again? What, what if instead of it being one for one in L.A., what if it's one for four, but he goes one more time? What if it's two for six and he wins another one? What are we talking about now? You're talking about one of the great players of his generation. And if he doesn't leave Detroit, it never happens. So much of this is good luck. So much of this is good fortune and how these things need to break your way to get it done. Just an extraordinary night for him. And he will never, ever say it. But I guarantee you he's thinking it. It wasn't me. I told you that all I needed was people around me that can function at an NFL level and I can go get some stuff done. And he absolutely did. Okay, so the Rams win the Super Bowl going all in. What does that mean for the other 31 teams in the NFL? Do they follow suit? That is coming up next, but not before we talk about bet online. Kind of bums me out a little bit to talk about the football season being over, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a whole bunch of other stuff out there. Basketball is in full steam, both on the pro level and college hoops as well. So from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, always fun, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this entire season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is, or betonline.net, I should say, is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right down to the Olympic coverage, and all the pieces of information that you're looking for. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, all in. How many times have we heard that expression with regards to the Los Angeles Rams this season? I have done, I don't know, a dozen, maybe a couple of dozen interviews in the last three or four days. I have done probably several dozen over the course of the entire season in my role as the Rams pregame, postgame host uh, on their flagship station, 710 ESPN here in Los Angeles. I've been asked this question by just about everybody that's brought me on their shows and different pods right here on the Locked On Network. This question over and over and over again. The Rams are all in this season, right? What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? What if they don't win? What about the draft picks? What if they don't have the Super Bowl championship and now they have a bare cupboard and they don't have any picks? And what about Les Snead? And what about Sean McVay? And what about, what about, what about? Okay. It worked. <laughs> okay. It worked. I'm not saying it wasn't an unbelievably bold play, an unbelievably risky play, right? I mean, what, scared money don't make money? Is that the line? <laughs> they didn't have scared money. They went all in 
and they hit it right there. They made a big bet and the bet hit. They wins the Super Bowl. So all in on the Rams was all successful. They are Super Bowl 56 champions. That's something that they get to hang that Lombardi trophy in the lobby. Everybody gets to look at it. Everybody that's a Rams fan gets to walk around saying, yep, I just got a Super Bowl last year, a couple of years ago. We're trying to get another one all in, all in, all in. Here's my question. Why don't more teams try to replicate the model that the Rams just put together? Why don't more teams look at this as a way to build your franchise? And I understand not everybody has the resources of a Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke is, here's, here's my favorite thing about Stan Kroenke. He's probably the second richest person in his family. His wife is a Walmart heiress. He is a real estate baron. They, that's, that's a pretty deep pocket to be able to do some things that maybe some other teams, teams can't. For instance, the Chargers don't have that. The Chargers don't have the resources like this. And the Chargers are an interesting example that we'll get to in just a little bit. So I get it. There are a couple of extenuating circumstances. It's the city itself. You're going to get some free agents that are probably uh, more interested in coming to Los Angeles than maybe, let's say, oh, I don't know, Jacksonville. There's the competency that we talked about just a couple of minutes ago um, with Matthew Stafford, with the organization itself, knowing that people can come here. Hey, you know, I can take a shot. You think Von Miller is dying to go to another team that's not like the Rams, knowing that, hey, you know, I can kind of short circuit this thing and get right to a, a Super Bowl the way that he did again. But think about it. They didn't say that this this idea of draft picks. OK, I get it. Sometimes you're going to have to build from the outside. You're going to have to build from within. You're going to have to build with free agency and drafts. The fact of the matter is, unless you get very lucky or you're picking extremely high in the draft, you're not drafting Jalen Ramsey. If you're the Los Angeles Rams, you're not drafting Odell Beckham Jr. You're not going to go out and draft a Vaughn Miller like that. Those guys are gone. They're off the board. And if they're not, you have to be the person that can identify that person and, and say, okay, I'll take that guy. It, it doesn't happen very often. So this, the, the picks, right? Less need F them picks his line. Okay. Pretty, pretty good. But you guys can have the picks. Give me Jalen Ramsey. You guys can have the picks. Give me uh Matthew Stafford, knowing that I'm not getting a better. And especially if it, and it doesn't have to hit the way that it did for the Rams and win the Super Bowl where you're picking 32nd. Even if you get close, you're picking 27th, 20. What's the difference between the 27th pick and the 54th pick? Not a bunch. The difference between the first five picks or so and then the last five picks of the first round, that gap is massive. The gap between the back of the first round and the early third, mm, I don't know. Cooper Cup came in the third round. That, that, that seems to be a pretty good pick. They've gotten guys like Cam Akers. They've gotten guys like Daryl Henderson. They've gotten some playmakers that are not first-round guy draft talents. So you wonder if more teams don't start to look at this and say, maybe that's a better way to do it. I get it. If you're if you're a team that doesn't have resources, if you're a team that doesn't have a market that people are dying to get to, it's going to be hard to convince a free agent to come in. But what about quarterbacks? What about going and making a deal for a guy? If you know, if you're Tennessee right now, what's more valuable to you? Draft picks or being able to go out and say, you know what? That Aaron Rodgers guy's pretty good. Why don't we take a shot there? Let's go Let's go a step further. And this, this isn't a perfect fit, and I'm not suggesting that this is something that they should go do necessarily. But how much better would they be if they just got some something a little bit better than average right now? If you look around the league and you find somebody that you think is, okay, maybe it's not Matthew Stafford caliber, but I can get a little bit better than Ryan Tannehill and the cost is a first-round draft pick, 
I don't know, Ru- Russell Wilson, for instance, okay? Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Russell Wilson may take the Tennessee Titans and have them be, instead of a number one seed that, you know, we're going to run it with Derrick Henry, we're going to play some defense, we're going to do these things. Now all of a sudden you've got a quarterback that, again, basic level of competency plus, like Russell Wilson would certainly be. What does that team look like right now? It looks like a team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs. Russell Wilson's not going to do what Ryan Tannehill did. He might make a mistake here, but Russell Wilson knows how to do these things. All in. The Rams went all in. It's not, well, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? Wouldn't that now what? Well, now what, what? It didn't work. It still doesn't work. You think that you're going to go out and find a guy better than Matthew Stafford, better than Russell Wilson? All in, is fat. it's a big bet because if it doesn't work, you're going to get crushed in the media you're going to have your fans be all over you. Oh, you know, what about the draft picks? I get it that the NFL draft is arguably the second biggest event on the NFL calendar behind what we just did a couple of days ago at SoFi. I get it. The draft is exciting. It's the future. that you, 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 It's all positive on what might be coming. It's the draft. The draft. We're going to have this pick. I don't know. Give me Jalen Ramsey. Give me Matthew Stafford. Give me somebody that I know is going to perform at a certain level in the NFL. Not what it might be. Oh, but what if he's a little better? Yeah, but what if he's not? What if he's a little worse? Now what do you do? And that's what the Rams have decided. That's what Les Snead, Sean McVay, or, you know, I don't need to worry about what's coming next. I need to I need to win right now. Part of it's the market because in LA, you got to win right away or people are going to be turned off. We've talked about that. We'll continue to talk about that, how you build a fan base here in Los Angeles, which is unlike a market uh, uh, in a lot of other places. You got diehards, but you got a lot of other people that aren't, right? You got a lot of people that are maybe a little bit more casual about this. All in matters. The Rams prove that all in can work. You got to have the right guys. You got to hit it at exactly the right time. You got to get a little bit lucky along the way, but all in works. And if I'm a fan of another team and I'm looking at my general manager and I'm looking at my head coach and they're stuck, well, you've got 486 picks over the next 10 drafts. Congratulations. Of those 486 picks, you might get three guys that are good. The Rams just got three guys that are good and gave away 486 picks. What's the difference? Only I know for sure that I got these guys. I know they got Aaron Donald through the draft. I understand that they've been very good in the draft at other points that they started this thing with Jared Goff. and other, I, I get it. All in, Super Bowl championship. You got to wonder if more teams aren't going to start to follow suit. So I've got a question for you. Who wants to fight Aaron Donald? That's a question that I thought the answer would be nobody, but apparently a couple of guys thought it might be a good idea to do it in the middle of the Super Bowl. That is coming up next. But first, Rock Auto, right? You've been to those big box stores. You've been to the brick and mortar uh, auto parts stores. And how, do, how does that go for you? How does that feel, right? You go in there, ah, we don't have that car for that model. We don't have that part for this piece. You know, yours is this year. And we only have that year or this model or that model. And they're looking it up on their computer and you're wasting all that sort of time. How about this? Why don't you save some time and money when you use Rock Auto? Why choose to spend 50%, 30%, 100% more for the same parts of a chain store or a car dealership when you can just go online at rockauto.com. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could possibly need, brakes, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet for that car. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. They're the solution for everything you need to make sure that your car is running at its absolute best just go and get it done, right? You don't have to go here or there. Just get online. Order it. Have it show up at your house. Fix the car. Down the road. 
everybody's happy. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you do this. Make sure you walk, you write locked on in the, how did you hear about a section? So they know that we sent you there. That's good for you. That's good for us. That's good for rock auto. And who doesn't want to feel good about all of those things? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Okay, thanks for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day. My name is Travis Rogers. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Rams podcast. Don't forget to check out the Locked on Rams YouTube channel as well. That's easy to find. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Travis Rogers. So, Super Bowl 56, SoFi Stadium. The Rams and the Bengals are playing. It's a tight game. It is in about the middle or so of the third quarter. The Rams are on their heels a little bit, right? They hit the big play to open up the third quarter. The Bengals do. They get that touchdown. Then the very next play, Matthew Stafford throws a pass to Ben Skoranek, who kind of, you know, does what Odell Beckham probably would not have done. The ball bounces off his hands up into the air, interception. And the Rams did a very good job at that point of holding Cincinnati to just a field goal because if that one goes in for a touchdown as well, who knows what the end result is. But the defense stiffens, they get it done. But every piece of momentum in that building, every single thing that could have been going Cincinnati's way was face mask call that gets missed long touchdown quick turnover another field goal what the Rams had a game where it felt very early on that they had a chance to blow the whole thing open when they got the first touchdown to Odell you're thinking okay and I get it it's just seven to nothing but it did feel in that building like hey this could be the start of something this could be a runaway and then when they got the next one a cup you're thinking uh-oh the the Bengals may get run out and they didn't they settled in and they did a really good job and then all of a sudden in the third quarter it's the opposite of that now instead of thinking the Rams may run them out you're thinking the Rams can't get anything going Odell is hurt the running game is nowhere the defense really isn't getting to Joe Burrow the way that we thought they were that he's getting the ball out incredibly quickly in fact he was getting rid of the ball as quickly as he had in the entire season under two and a half seconds on average just an extraordinarily quick time from snap to the ball coming out of the quarterback's hand And it's all Cincinnati momentum. And then something happened. (laughs) What happened is something that in my very worst nightmare, I would not want to do. What happened is the thing that makes you bolt up in the middle of the night covered in cold sweat, Aaron Donald got involved. Aaron Donald is chasing Joe Burrow to the sideline. And he's faster than Joe Burrow. And he's going to beat him there. And we know what that's happening. Instead of Burrow turning into uh, Ricky Henderson and sliding, he decides I'm going to race him to the side. He's not going to make it. Aaron Donald's going to get there first. And Aaron Donald does what he does. He puts his hands on Joe Burrow, and he gives him a good, hard, clean shove out of bounds. Hard. It throws him right into the uh, down marker, right? You know, if you go back and watch the, the video, you see Burrow hit the down marker pretty hard. Usually you watch those guys with the sticks. The second that play starts coming to their side of the field, they drop it and they get out of the way because, you know, human instinct, right? Here comes the here comes the uh, stampede. I think I'm going to get out of the way. For whatever reason, this guy decided to stand there. That's a, that's a story for another day, I guess. But Donald beats him to the spot, and he gives him a shove, and Burrow goes smashing into the down marker well two guys did something that i didn't think anybody on the face of the earth wanted to do they say you know what i'm gonna, I'm gonna mix it up with aaron donald that number 99 right there who has been relatively quiet at this point he's not you know silent but he certainly wasn't the game wrecker that we were hoping he would be as rams fans at that point they decide you know what i'm gonna stick up for my guy i'm gonna go get in there and number 66 trey hopkins and number 75 isaiah prince decided you know what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna grab ad and shove him back to his side and we're gonna push and shove and do these things it's on the Bengals sideline 
right? They decided to aggravate, annoy, inspire, motivate, whatever word you want to put in there. They lit the match that got Aaron Donald from wherever he was in the Super Bowl, which I would imagine is a pretty high level to begin with, to something above and beyond that. To something that was Aaron Donald, greatest player at his position ever, arguably. Aaron Donald, surefire Hall of Famer, to the furious, motivated, now I'm here to take your soul, Aaron Donald. And after that, it was a totally different game. So thank you, Trey Hopkins. Thank you to Isaiah Prince for doing what you did because I'm not saying that Aaron Donald wasn't doing everything he could to win that game. He absolutely was, but he was a different player after that. And I know there's been a lot written. I don't know. You know, people think that Aaron Donald getting shoved and and, and him mixing it up on the sidelines. And by the way, he just got himself out of that. Usually get a bunch of teammates to come in there and have to pull you out. He was fine. Five, six Bengals guys pushing and shoving. I'll take care of this myself. Thank you. And he just got himself back to the side and everything was fine. You know, oh, well, no, they put Ernest Jones up. They made the center make a decision. He couldn't automatically go to AD to double-team him, and they had to respect Jones, and they did a couple of TE twists along the way. Okay, okay. You know what else happened at that exact moment? They bothered Aaron Donald. <laughs> they bothered Aaron Donald to the point where the next thing you know, Joe Burrow would get the snap, and now Aaron Donald's there to say, hey, how you doing today, Joe? I'm here to ruin your afternoon, and he did over and over and over again. And when he got going like that, now all of a sudden Cincinnati has to make all sorts of different decisions. They have to respect where he is, which they were doing already, but now you take it to a whole nother level. And now what do you know? Here comes Vaughn Miller. And now what do you know? Here comes Ernest Jones right up the middle. And now what do you know? That Ram defensive front that was supposed to be kicking their you-know-whats throughout the entire day was because Donald took his game to a whole nother level. Part of it is he's a great player. Part of it is he had a favorable matchup that he was going to be able to exploit eventually. But in my opinion, and I don't know how you would argue otherwise, I don't know how you don't see what happened. He shoves Burrow, a little bit of a dust-up, and the next thing you know, he's Aaron Donald times 10. It was 1 plus 1 equals 2. I don't schematics and all these other teams, and I'm not taking anything away from Raheem Morris or any of the Rams defensive coaches that may have cracked a little bit of that code at that point. But that dude went to a totally different place. And, and I don't know, and, and your worst nightmare, I don't know what it is, but one version for me is I am running for my life and Aaron Donald is very angry at me and trying to get me onto the ground. That's the sort of guy that he is. That's the way that he goes about his business. And he was turned up. You saw the last two plays of the game. You saw the last play of the game against San Francisco that sent the Rams into the Super Bowl in the first place. You can't, when, when he's at that level, he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable most days. He's unstoppable at practice. He's unstoppable at breakfast. He's unstoppable playing Xbox, I'm sure. He's one of these guys, right, that's just an unstoppable force of nature. But you want to aggravate him? You want to you put him in a place where he can go to a higher level? His normal setting is, is much, much better than you. Let's turn him up and see what that looks like. All right, go ahead. Let's, let's see. You don't think that he knew? You, maybe you've seen it. NFL Films had Sean McVay mic'd up for the game. And at the end of the at the end of the game, when the Bucks or excuse me, when the uh, Bengals are getting ready to run their last play, that fourth and one play, McVay says to to no one in particular, right? He's kind of by himself on the sidelines at that point. He's just kind of looking at the ground and looking up at the game, looking at the ground, looking up at the game, back at the, the thing we all do when we're nervous. And he says, This is where Aaron Donald makes a play. Well, looky here. There he is. 
the best player in the league at that spot, the best player maybe ever at that spot, goes and makes back-to-back plays to, to win you your first Los Angeles Super Bowl. I don't know, man. I, I Trey Hopkins and uh, Isaiah Prince did a pretty good job of dealing with them in the first half, but in the second half, when they decided that you know we're going to, I, I get it, I get picking up your 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 dude in Joe Burrow. Hey, you don't get to put your hands on on our guy like that. I get the instinct, but maybe do a quick inventory. Oh, that's uh, that's Aaron Don. You know what, Joe? Let, let me help you up, Joe. Let's go back. Let's go. Let's go run another play. I think I'll leave him alone. I think I will leave him alone and let us do our thing over there. Just an unbelievable moment, an unbelievable game, and Aaron Donald taking this game to another level is just remarkable all over again. Super Bowl champions, 56. Feels pretty good to say that. All right, coming up on the next Locked on Rams, I want to talk about what that win means and how you go about building generational fans after putting a Super Bowl in your back pocket. My name is Travis Rogers. This is Locked on Rams. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day, your team every single day. You can follow me on Twitter, and now that we're done with our first listen, you need the second listen is right. And that's where Locked on Bets comes in, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis from Lee Sterling. Until then, whose house? It's Locked on Rams house.